Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the MedTech Impact Podcast, where you get to hear from leaders and innovators who are shaping the future of medical technologies. I'm Kyle Cruz. And I'm Richard Mikuljohn. And we're your hosts of the show. And today we have Dr. Gita Manjunath, the founder of Naramai, joining us. Gita, thank you so much. It's so great to see you again. Super to see you, Kyle, Richard. Hi. Great to see you. Well, let's get right into it, Gita. Tell everyone, you know, who are you? Where, do you, where are you from? You know, tell us your story and, and how you founded Naramai. And then, of course, get into your technology for us. Sure. Uh, first of all, thanks a lot for uh, running our story on your podcast. Uh, I am Gita, founder and CEO of a startup called Naramai. I'm basically from Bangalore, south of India. And... Um, and 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 basically, uh, I call myself accidental entrepreneur. You know, a techie turned entrepreneur. And here's my story. I did my engineering. I've always been passionate about science and engineering. I saw a, a computer where when I was a school kid and going into a, a exhibition, and I was so curious to know how it works. And I said, I'm going to choose engineering in computer science. So that's what just made me choose that. And then I did very well, thanks to my good teachers. And then uh, I always wanted to do something new, like innovative, uh, handling technical challenges is like fun to me, right? Solving tough problems means I used to get more, uh, more kick out of it, right? So, uh, so, so I went on to um, kind of, you know, um, do masters in engineering again, uh, in one of the uh, top, uh, top institutes in um, uh, India called Indian Institute of Science. And uh, again, that was great. I did uh, pretty well. And then um, I, I joined a research institute, uh, which was building um, India's first supercomputer as a young uh, research uh, scientist. And, and I learned a lot. And then I went on to join Hewlett Packard Labs uh, when they were just starting research in India. So it, it, that was great fun because I used to learn a lot traveling, of course, uh, around the world and also interacting with international researchers, uh, thinking about research differently, not for publishing papers or something, but really how can we use research for innovation, doing and solving something, some problem on the ground. Then um, as my PhD, and then finally, I was uh, at Xerox Research heading AI uh, research for them. And so that is when things turned. <laughs> um, I was happy sort of solving very interesting problem, had a big, uh, good team and, and so on. And uh, one of my very close cousin sister, I'm sorry. One of my very close cousin sister, Bharti, got detected with breast cancer. She was 41 and uh, uh, she directly detected stage four cancer. She got operated within six months. Uh, I lost her. So that was a huge turning point for me. Like, you know, we were so close, uh, very good best friends. And suddenly I, I lost her. Uh, as uh, luck would have or uh, unluck uh, would have, um, another uh, family member um, also got detected breast cancer within six months of this news. And she was 38 and she had a small son as well. And this two things, one after the other, like really shook me. And I said, what am I trying to do? Trying to use technology to solve so many other problems I felt were irrelevant at the time. And I said, we have to solve this problem. 
and started a small research uh, uh, project in using my exploratory budget to see if we can use imaging, what, what it is like and so on. And after about six to 10 months of this research within the organization, I said, I cannot do this as yet another project and this, I have to really put more time into it. So I quit my job and started Niramai. On the ground, it's been six years now and I'm so happy I took that decision. That's that's you know first and foremost, uh, it's 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 always tough to hear about someone losing a loved one, and we're very sorry. Um, but you know, uh, it's it oftentimes takes you know sometimes unfortunate experiences like that, right? That motivate and inspire you to you know um, selflessly you know go and 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 do something that will ultimately you know impact everyone's lives and and people that are are, are impacted by breast cancer. So. Um, Remarkable. You know, it's interesting because you, you going back to kind of your early, um, you know, how you kind of got into engineering, I guess, like, what about like your family background? Was there any kind of inspiration from from parents or anyone else that kind of, you know, was in that industry that you kind of saw firsthand and learned from that maybe inspired you to go in that direction? Or was that just sip yourself like? In your interest there, right? Uh, definitely my father played a huge role in trying to love science, you know, try, like, you know, really made me love science and, and, and fixing things, you know. I remember as a very small girl, um, you know, my father's like, you know, if the tap is leaking and so on, usually we have a lot of help in India, but he was like, I'm not going to call anybody. I'm going to fix it. You know, everything, he used to find the tools and fix things. You know, the radio doesn't work, you know, open it up. It, there used to be huge, uh, huge box radios. So that made me curious. Whenever he opened up and he used to call me and I used to peep into it, what are these wires and so on. So anything that I saw, I wanted to understand how it works. And this kind of curiosity building is definitely, you know, I owe it to my father. And so he was called, he was called as repairman <laughs> in our family, literally. So that's sort of uh, how, um, you know, uh, he was not an engineer, but he was always thinking like an engineer, I would say. And, and he also told me every time that, you know, I got into this sort of, uh, I, I got into the best medical school and best uh, engineering school in, in, in India when, when I did my whatever graduate uh, undergrad, then, um, he just told me, follow what you feel you want to do. And I told you, I already started loving computers and I wanted to know how it works. So I just chose uh, engineering. So I think uh, family um, makes a huge difference in uh, uh, trying to first give, give you decision power, like, you know, really choosing what you love rather than uh, choosing what others think is the best thing to do, right? You know, I think that I really owe my father. My mother is also a very independent lady. She was more into music and teaching music and, and so on. But yeah, I've seen her to be an independent lady. So I don't differentiate ladies, male, female. You know, that's that confidence I got from my mom. Very cool. And has that continued when you've been in work in terms of finding mentors or people who you've looked to inspire you uh, as you develop through your career? Yeah, during, uh, it's just, uh, you know, I um, I was... I, I was fully into the subject, you know, I was not working for marks or grades and it was more like, let me understand. Uh, and that was the thought process. And of course, I had wonderful teachers uh, who were able to go into the depth of it when there was uh, a question or trying to relate, uh, let's say, a, a mathematical equation to a real problem and so on. So those kind of, uh, you know, 
teachers played uh, a huge role in my way of uh, studying, I would say, you know, not study for grades, but study for really understanding every line of what you're learning. So that I think was another big uh, factor. And how have you found this transition moving from, you know, working for big corporate companies into then now you being responsible and starting and running a business? Yeah, I mean, that was actually first uh, one or two months was like a huge, huge difference. Um, I, I did feel, uh, first of all, what a brand like HP and Xerox can do to a person. You're known as uh, uh, more like you're recognized and identified with the company than like yourself. So when you are uh, like, I used to be called for very like uh, big talks and all as, uh, you know, lab director and suddenly like people... Oh, oh, okay. You've left the company. Fine. Uh, do you know anybody else who can do this uh, talk? I said, what? I'm the same person. <laughs> so I found this brand, um, you know, being so important to be recognized. And uh, that was one. Of course, financially, suddenly I lost all my salary. So I used to go in the Ubers of the world rather than sort of, you know, have a chauffeur driven car. So that was a little bit uh, getting to the truth. And um after that, uh, you know, it was more uh, the fun of being, um, you know, completely independent and making the decisions much faster. And, uh, you know, I could see that we were moving at least 10 times faster than what uh, we could, uh, you know, within a big corporate uh, environment. Not really about developing products, of course we can, but also it's it's the focus and um, uh, ability to take decisions almost on a like a minute to minute, if not <laughs> hours to hours. So that was all real, real fun. Every second of the last uh, six years, I've really enjoyed, uh, I would say, every bit, every bit. <laughs> now, we probably we probably have everyone on the edge of their seats here. Let's talk about Niramai and your technology. Sure. So um, uh, let me uh, first start with the problem. I know the problem really is, of course, breast cancer and, and more so the late detection of breast cancer. Early detection of breast cancer is so critical to save lives. A stage one detection of breast cancer can have 90% survival rate, whereas a stage two, stage three plus detection is 10% survival rate. It's really flipping the chances of survival. This is a big problem. And today, breast cancer continues to be the top cancer of incidence, as well as mortality in 159 countries, which is huge. 684,000 women die every year because of this disease. And most of them can be saved. You know, that's the, because breast cancer is completely curable. The only reason they're not uh, able to live longer is because of late detection. Uh, of course, the standard uh, modalities for detecting breast cancer, um, such as mammography, breast ultrasound, these are actually expensive equipment for resource-constrained settings like India, where uh, uh, every person is not really screened every year, like in some countries they are do that they're screened every every year after 45 years and so on. Here we cannot afford it, you know, because it's a very expensive equipment. We have huge population, mm -hmm. and it's widely spread, and so it has to be accessible as well. And uh, because of that, most people detect their cancer by hand, which is. Uh, accidentally finding a lump and then going to the doctor, which is almost uh, two, 25 millimeters in size, which is stage two plus, you know, directly. So that is the main reason. And also um, the current method like mammography is based on x-rays, uh, which uh, means it's trying to find uh, density differences to find cancer. Whereas so many women have dense breasts uh, where you cannot see this density difference. So it misses many cancers in dense breasts, which is mostly all women under 45 years of age, 
and about 50% of women above 45 having dense breasts. So this is a second technical problem, right? Uh, which is uh, not just limited to India and countries like India, but it's a global problem that uh, is, is we are seeing. And the third one is really about the experience of doing a test. You know, it's if you want ladies to do the test every year, it better be simple, not like disrobing in front of others, somebody pulling it, putting x-rays and pain and compression. So that is the, uh, that is what it is great, but it can be better, you know, in terms of the experience. So these are the three main problems. And um, to address all of these, uh, we have come up with a completely new method of detecting breast cancer where we just measure the temperature variations on the chest using a thermal sensor, like an infrared imaging device, non-contact, just keep the device three feet from you and just measure the temperature. And our innovative algorithms to uh, analyze this temperature distribution converts temperature to cancer report. And that's the main innovation we have come up with. We call it thermal analytics, thermalytics. And uh, with this combination, we now can detect cancer in women of all age groups or breast densities in a much, much more affordable manner with like one-tenth or one-twentieth the cost of the equipment and simply skilled people doing the test as opposed to like very um, sophisticated, medically proficient uh, people doing the scanning and interpretation. And most importantly, the experience of doing this test is what I call as changing room experience. The lady enters a room, she closes the door and she removes her clothes and sits in front of this device. And nobody's inside, not even a technician. And uh, cool air is blown for about 10 minutes and she goes out, her report will be ready. So it's as simple as that. And uh, this no touch, no pain and no radiation experience uh, makes many, many more women uh, do this, you know, uh, with word of mouth and uh, regularly, uh, back, you know, go for this test as well. So all of this has made us uh, really um, believe that it is a breakthrough in cancer detection, which can save many, many lives, uh, not just in uh, uh, developed countries, but also in so many resource-constrained countries, particularly. Yeah, it's an incredible mission you're targeting. Uh, and yeah, we can't commend you enough for what you're doing in this area. Uh, I wondered if you could refer like, to how you, you were inspired with this approach, because you know, I think this approach of mammography has been around for a long time. And what you're bringing is fairly novel, I would say. So what was the sort of the, yeah, the ideation behind that? Yeah, sure. So um, I go back to the sort of the cause of why we started the startup. Uh, Bharti was 42 years of age and another close uh, family members, uh, Lakshmi was 38 years. So I asked the doctors why are like, you know, uh, such young age we are losing. And both of them have had mammograms, right? And, if, if, you know, many of us do go. And um, then I was told that because they had dense breasts, you know, they were not able to, uh, you know, detect it. So then uh, I was thinking sort of why use x-rays to detect cancer? Are there other modalities? So we read, uh, you know, uh, started looking at other, other ways of looking uh, into the, uh, to the body. And coincidentally, uh, we were working on multispectral uh, imaging with a, like a multispectral camera, which can actually take uh, images in all like, different uh, wavelengths, if you will. And um, 
And I was also discussed with one of the imaging experts to see, have you ever seen like anybody else doing it? He did point out, uh, Mr. Mesta pointed me to some thermal imaging uh, papers. And so that would definitely help me to look at that. And because we had this multispectral camera, we started taking images of a couple of uh, breast cancer patients. Then we figured that there is a considerable uh, differentiability in the infrared spectrum compared to the others. And these papers also showed that people have tried this before and maybe some of them are still using it. That is how we started. And then I saw that, you know, FDA had a lot of uh, negative about uh, why use thermal imaging, it's not accurate. So I started reading about it and uh, realized that there is no systematic study comparing. And also there was so much subjectivity, you know, every a person now has to sort of the doctor has to look at 400,000 temperature points and, and the person is uh, looking at it uh, more in color. So there's a lot of these sort of errors I could uh, make out. And then I said, uh, this is uh, the exact place where you can use artificial intelligence. It's almost like hammer, uh, but but the nail was matching. So <laughs> we said, okay, uh, so why don't we try it? And that's how, uh, you know, I started off and then um, uh, it's interesting. Of course, we had to fine tune the approach and uh, several things along the way. Uh, but uh, yeah, here we are. And you've made incredible progress. I mean, not just from starting with this unique approach, but I think in terms of validating the sensitivity and, and you know, the, the improvements in the accuracy of this approach as well. Absolutely. Uh, we have 100% sensitivity in screening populations so far, Tachur, and uh, we have about 8% false positive rate, which is 92% specificity, which is one of the kind of best, I guess, so confident to go to the market with this. What's really neat, too, is your experiences of living in India and, and um, you know, growing up in, in a country with such a large population, right? To your point, it's hard to see everyone, right? And you think about, I, I obviously don't really know enough about the processes and the steps in mammography, but based on what you've described here, if a patient can just simply go in a room, right? And, you know, remove, remove their, their clothes and, 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 you know, have that image taken and then they're on their way. It sounds like it's a lot faster too. So you've got that, that ability to address this a lot earlier. You're saving time. You're maybe saving capital costs to the hospital. You're seeing more patients. Um, it's really, it's, it's fascinating technology. Is this more of a uh, software? I, I'm sure the audience is probably probably, you know, wondering, are you a software company? Are you hardware? Are you both? How does this, you know, how, how does yeah. it work? Yeah, good question. So we are basically a software company, I would say, like, uh, we just developed the software to convert uh, temperature distribution to cancer report, because there are several people doing thermal cameras, you know, especially due to COVID, you know, a lot many more companies are building these thermal cameras, and also high resolution thermal cameras. So which um, is great, though, right? Because if they're innovating those thermal cameras, because of, you know, the pandemic, it's like, well, that technology is only getting better for you, right? Absolutely. 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 Cool. They're becoming better, they're becoming cheaper and available everywhere. So we didn't want to kind of redo that part. There are many people doing that and they know that well and we know this well, the software part. So uh, so we use off-the-shelf thermal cameras. Of course, we say it has to follow a bunch of specifications and qualify our kind of test for validity. 
And then once that is done, uh, we hook it, hook, I mean, anybody can actually buy this camera off the shelf. And then we train them how to take images of the breast and uh, the technician essentially. And uh, they take these images and upload it to our cloud. It's a cloud hosted software as well. Anybody can go to thermalytics.com and upload these five images. Of course, you need to have the username password. And once you do that, click, 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 you can generate a report. Um, in order to make it uh, more medical grade, uh, the report that is generated is automatically sent to an expert for the medical unit. Every medical unit will have a bunch of experts. They're basically radiologists, oncologists, gynecologists, and uh, they will do a quick review and put their signature before it is handed over to the end user as a PDF report, like emailed to the patient. So uh, of course, if the hospital has a good radiologist, they could, uh, you know, we can we can just quickly have a chat with the radiologist to make sure they understand our report. Otherwise, we have a panel of radiologists who can sign the report as well. So any any even private uh, uh, a physician or a gynecologist or gyn person can start giving this test uh, to all her patients, right? Uh, even if she's not qualified to sign the report, we have qualified individuals who will sign and hand it over, right? So that is the mode we are working on. That's, and that's it's a paper use model as well, sorry. Okay, that's really interesting. Yeah, so I mean, I guess though, like a big thing is this learning curve, right? Is is how easy can this technology be adopted in, in, a, in a doctor's office? So it sounds like though, based on the technology that really already exists and is only getting better from a thermal imaging standpoint, and then your software, it sounds like it's all also removing though a lot of that guesswork, you know, for the doctor, making it a lot easier to identify, you know, uh, potential cancer, so. Absolutely, absolutely. So we are actually, in fact, uh, you said the right thing. There are a few, uh, uh, you know, thermographers who are using this uh, thermal imaging uh, in multiple countries, and they're all coming to us saying, like, I don't want to guess anymore, right? You know, I want to sort of start using yours because yours is, uh, you have a US FDA clearance for one of our device and also uh, European CE. So they want to have uh, like more certified tools uh, to actually generate the report. So that was, uh, that's basically low hanging fruit, though we did not intend that to be the target segment, but they are like the first ones to adopt. Having said that, you know, uh, this can also be used in um, like regular hospitals. Um, in addition to mammogram, if they already have a mammogram and, and in many countries they don't have a mammogram, it can be used as a screening or pre-screening, right? Only positive patients who are found to be high risk within, with this uh, technology uh, need to be sent to a diagnostic workup. The diagnostic workup could be a 3D mammogram or an ultrasound or or an MRI, uh, which will identify and just to make sure that that's really cancer, uh, you know, with biopsy and so on. And you referenced there um, countries now approaching you, which is fantastic to hear. I wondered if you could talk a little bit about the number of patients you've managed to reach even within India and then internationally as well. So, uh, so far uh, in India, we have uh, screened more than 95,000 women, uh, you know, in multiple countries. It's, uh, the test is installed in 150 plus uh, hospitals and diagnostic centers. So uh, we have a very small sales team at this point in time, like six, six members. Mostly we are focusing on trying to find partners uh, who can help us scale because they already have network of hospitals and, and so on. It's much easier because what I realized is that uh, healthcare um, selling is mostly trust-based and uh, you know it's, it's very much uh, relationship-based. So if you have actually bought from a particular company and you're happy with that and you know it's kind of working, it, 
you tend to go to the same uh, you know institution again um, and not just in India in many places so we want to sort of work with uh, you know top healthcare institutions to actually take this to market so but yeah we have about 150 plus and 95,000 women screened here uh, as you mentioned, uh, we are getting a lot of uh, interest from uh, outside India as well. So now we have launched in Kenya, um, uh, um, UAE, that is the MENA region, Middle East. Um, uh, we'll be launching in Philippines next week, uh, Nepal, and um, and a few more countries in discussion where uh, they, we have identified distributors to take this uh, to, to those countries. And so outside India, I guess we have done about 1,000. We've also done a lot of uh, initial pilots in uh, Turkey, Sweden, and uh, starting to do in UK. Uh, we've just launched a, a clinical study in Arizona as well. And a couple of doctors in US have started using it already. Amazing. And is it is it approved here in the US? I might have missed that. Yes, it is approved uh, as a full uh, you know, AI-based device in uh, Europe uh, with a CE mark. In US, uh, we have a variant of the device where there are no AI, like we do not say whether it's cancer or not. We're not allowed to say, but we can mark the area of high thermal activities. And uh, uh, a radiologist can look at that uh, even alongside mammography to make a decision. So in the US, we call it Smile 100, which is um, which is for adjunct usage at this point in time. Okay. What what you said AI, what, what, you're not talking artificial intelligence, are you? Yes, so uh, that's a good point. So the main innovation in this is uh, machine learning and artificial intelligence algorithms, which look at this 400,000 temperature points and identifies uh, areas of high thermal activity, high vascular activity, uh, which look like cancer or which uh, basically have a lot of uh, mitotic, irregular mitotic activities. So the AI is the core. And in fact, our AI algorithms have resulted in 30 granted international patents, all of which 11 are granted in the US. So it's a very unique set of algorithms that we've developed. Okay, cool. I wanted to make sure I was hearing that correctly. Because Thanks for asking. Course, yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I think, you know, just in general, we're obviously hearing about AI everywhere, um, yes. especially in medical device. So it's yes. just neat to hear how your technology is utilizing AI. And it makes a ton of sense, right? I mean, after so many images and so much data that's being collected, and then the effort to, for, you know, to help with early detection, I mean, you know, it sounds like it could be a, you know, incredible tool that you can harness um, to provide better outcomes. So really neat. Glad you glad you shared that. It's so true, Kyle. I mean, you're truly pushing the boundaries, not just because I think with, um, you know, the detection and screening, but also in terms of like having technology approved in AI by the FDA, because that's an evolving area. So how have you found that process going through with the FDA and getting that approval? Yeah, I mean, the experience with USFD has been really uh, um, learning, I would say, educational. Um, you know, initially, uh, you know, everybody says like USFDA is bad, they're very stringent. But I've seen, of course, initially I went with that thought process, honestly, but May 2020, I remember the first uh, like face-to-face -face or like a Zoom interview with a full panel. And I was so impressed by their knowledge and the ability to think risk. You know, it's not easy to find out where things can go wrong. I mean, it's very difficult to identify all loopholes and so good. Like every question is saying, how are you going to handle this? And they were catching like where things can go wrong very, very quickly. That was very interesting. And, and each of these questions 
made me think that, okay, this is exactly how, they will not tell you how to solve it. They will tell you what is the problem, which is very good because you can go back to the, uh, you know, work and, and, and get the next one. So basis that, you know, we went back and submitted two, three um, um, submissions. They have what's called pre-sub, which is like free, uh, you know, complimentary sort of uh, way of reviewing and giving feedback. I'm really uh, very, very uh, thankful to US FDA on, on the whole review committee to give us, to have given us multiple um, hints and as well as uh, identified uh, places where we had to fix. Because obviously when we first said, I said, oh, why don't you use this with uh, you know, before mammogram and all of that, you know, I was like full. Then they told me these are the things. So I now we have done clinical studies to, you know, plug those uh, and show that it actually works. And also it's more like a stepwise process. First, you start with the lowest usage, which is like used along with mammography and only for marking and so on. And then slowly we can build uh, evidence in US and then go back for a higher uh, uh, claim, I would say, on the device itself. So uh, it's been very interesting. I think it's a journey. Uh, we believe uh, we have uh, some more devices to get approved before going full on AI, um, automated AI for breast screening. It will take time. Yeah. But yeah, we are on the job. Yeah, that's, that's, that's great. And what do you, I guess, what is that next, um, that next level look like for for Naramai and and kind of where you're at today and maybe over the next five years like where do you see where do you see the company and technology going? Right, so um, the two two uh, throngs or directions. One is how do we make uh, uh, thermolytics based, automated, radiation free, uh, affordable, accessible screening test available for everyone. Every lady on earth is what I keep telling my team. We have to reach every lady on earth because they need it, you know, because we need to identify cancer early, stop deaths due to breast cancer. This is the scale aspect of it. It's not easy, I know, but like, you know, we try to do our best. We collaborate and get to that. Second thing is while developing this and discussing with a lot of these uh, expert clinicians, we realized that Though we want to solve breast cancer, looks like this can address many other healthcare issues, uh, not just breast cancer, other type of cancers, uh, not just cancer, maybe other type of uh, uh, vascular issues and uh, skeletal muscular issues like pain and, and uh, identifying the source of pain and so on. So that has been an interesting revelation. And um, uh, we just started, uh, you know, because we can't do everything. So it's like even further down the years, uh, we, we really see that uh, potentially the, we, with collaboration, this can become a different and a new method of detecting abnormalities in the body. Mm -hmm. So so both the scale uh, in adoption and uh, product uh, and, uh, you know, uh, increased scope in the products uh, would be uh, two main direction. I think uh, we can we can hope to move. Incredible. And something you mentioned about getting your FDA approval. I mean, that, I was reflecting back. That was when you were just going through your, your time after, uh, certainly around the time of when you'd been involved with the, uh, the IMPACT program here in the US. Uh, so I wonder if you could talk a little bit about how that has helped you through that process and just you know, building those relationships. Yeah, sure. So um, first and foremost, uh, you know, it was wonderful to be selected as a top 10 uh, medical devices qualifying for that round of uh, uh, M2DT impact program. Just the fact that we made it was super good for us, super good feeling because we are coming from a small um, 
like a small startup coming from a small city in uh, a small country, like far away and all of that. And and um, and an ability to make it till then through multiple rounds, uh, the, the way you know you and, and, and the rest of the jury people actually selected us, it was wonderful. Just that sort of, yes. And then I think we had this 12 week program. Every week was such a learning. Um, you know, you got experts uh, who, who told us a lot about reimbursement codes and, 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 and every, every country is different. And we learned a lot about that uh, design, how to think about sales differently. I think there was a lot of mentoring that was happening in the last 12 weeks. And then the grand finale, I guess, uh, where uh, we had, oh, three grilling uh, sessions with jury panels, uh, you know, it was amazing. The type of questions they were asking and, and, and every time you answer that question, you get that thrill, oh, I did it, right? You know, and so many panel uh, members came, came out, congratulated us and, and uh, shared. And it just so inspirational and mo more motivating to solve bigger problems. And, and also it was a great uh, networking experience, right? You know, we met so many people, which definitely we wouldn't have met, I wouldn't have met at all sitting in India. Uh, in, in the audience and I still am connected to many of them and uh, they are connecting me to, uh, you know, resources which uh, we may require in future as well. So thank you very much for running that program and I would really, somebody is listening and say, go definitely apply, you need to, <laughs> you need to be there. <laughs> Amazing. Well, it's kind of neat too, because, you know, it's a special opportunity as well to to do something with with a company like Hologic, you know, I mean, obviously a, a, a leader in women's health um, and for them to be a part of the program, uh, that's got to be an incredible opportunity for you and, and with full of tremendous value um, and a lot of fun to be able to align your technology and women's health, something that's so important to a big company like Hologic. Um, you know, what was that like? Yeah, that was also good. Uh, we had uh, mentors from Hologic uh, giving us, asking us the tough question, mostly about the market and, uh, you know, where does it fit in the clinical pathway and things like that. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it was very important to get a corporate view of it as well. And so that really, really helped as well. Thank you. Sure. Something I want to touch on, just to look back, and you mentioned this at the beginning around, you know, that transfer from you going from corporate into startup. And so this idea that you have to build your own brand from an early stage. And so it's just really interesting as we're kind of like thinking about, you know, you going forward, how important that's been to get to where you are now. So, yeah, just you know, talking about how you've gone out and built an audience and really engaged your community. Because wow. from the outside, yeah. I think you've done an incredible job. You know, the coverage. Yeah, actually, team. I mean, it's, it's so fulfilling. You're, you're, you know, you said it right, uh, you know. Um, Actually, I was on a non-disclosure. I am still on a non-disclosure to sort of say that we started off uh, there. And um, uh, so so we never used uh, the brand when we started. So we really have built Niramai. And I'm wherever I go, like when they identify Niramai, they say, ha ha, I've heard about it. It's, it feels very good, you know, and thanks to all of you. And the media has been very... Um, uh, kind and promoting it. We were on BBC News, CNBC and all of that. And so like, uh, yeah, people are able to relate uh, to the name Niramai as well as relate uh, breast cancer to Niramai. So I keep getting calls from people who are suspecting something and then say, okay, can I uh, you know, ask you a question about my health and so on. So we became, we have almost uh, at least in India become synonymous to breast cancer and uh, how we can fight that. So uh, it's very, very fulfilling. 
Well, it's incredible to see everything you've done because, I mean, the biggest thing to me is what an inspiration you are personally as a leader. <laughs> Thank you so much. But I think we really have a very long way to go. Uh, we have just done the initial piece and uh, really look forward to collaborators who want to take this to every corner of the world. <laughs> and, uh, and, and really, it works. We've done extensive clinical testing uh, with uh, standard of care. And uh, we're open to doing further clinical testing. If you don't believe it, see it <laughs> work. Well, you know, one one question that we always like to ask at the end is, you know, for anyone who's, you know, going to maybe embark on a, you know, a career in med tech, um, what's kind of your biggest tip or recommendation for anyone um, that might end up leaving a, a full-time career like you did to embark on such a really uh, probably one of the most you know, the biggest challenges you could ever embark on in life, you know, what, what's the what's the biggest tip you have for them? So I would say two things. One is, uh, please be patient. You're serving patients and patience is very, very important. <laughs> so, uh, because, uh, I mean, I like you feel you have to make an impact immediately, but it does take time. Uh, because just because you developed a solution, uh, doc doctors are not going to adopt, obviously, end users will not going to adopt. There is, um, like, uh, it has long gestation period. You need to go through the, don't take any shortcuts, right? You know, you need to go through the regulatory and go through the clinical and, and uh, definitely it's so fulfilling to see it work. You know, At the end of the day, seeing somebody um, like somebody call you and says, you know, you saved my life because of your device. It's it's really worth it. So definitely do it, but be uh, have patience. Second, don't be afraid. You know, initially you will not know everything, but it's okay. I think the ecosystem is so good that, uh, you know, as long as you know what you know and what you don't know, uh, you will find mentors and partners to work on things which you don't know, and you can definitely make it. Uh, you should definitely uh, take the plunge if you want to solve a problem um, which is dear to you, um, things will align. That's what I would say. That's great. Well, Richard, any closing remarks today? Uh, well, it's just been an absolute pleasure to have you on. Uh, in terms of people who want to follow you, um, I know you're very active on LinkedIn. Um, I think just before this, you mentioned that you had a, another guest spot you know, sharing the Nirmai, Nirmai story. People can go and find more information on the Nirmai website, but would highly recommend watching and following everything that happens because again you're a truly inspiring person i'm delighted we get to spend time with you today thank you so much richard for your kind words and it's been a great pleasure to uh, have this conversation with richard and the super energetic kyle as well and uh, so uh, thanks a lot for taking our story to many, many more people. And again, we are open to collaboration. We cannot do this alone. Really together, let's stop deaths due to breast cancer. Well, what's the best way people can get a hold of you? Send me an email. I am at geeta at niramai.com, G-E-E-T-H-A at N-I-R-A-M-A-I.com. You can remember it as niram.ai if you like. Nice. All right. Well, that inbox is going to start blowing up in a second. I'm telling you right now, you're going to get a lot of people reaching out. This was an incredible story. It was so nice to have you on the show. Uh, so I think that's it. 
Um, again, uh, just incredible, Gita. It was so amazing having you on the show. And ladies and gentlemen, we appreciate all of you joining joining us today. Once again, this is the MedTech Impact Podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Cruz. And I'm Richard Michael, John. And until next time, keep innovating.